I'm here at uh, the Game Developers Conference in San Francisco, and with me today are two special guests. How about you guys introduce yourself? I'm Nick. I'm the Creative Director at No, and I'm Bruce, the Business Director. Okay. And um, what what games do you guys make? So we've made um, Pop for WiiWare, and then subsequently iPhone, and then DSiWare as Pop Plus Solo. Um, we've recently done uh, some lifestyle applications called My Life Collected, such as My Notebook, My Postcards, uh, and My Diary. And we've recently announced two new titles, one for WiiWare called Escape Vector and Spirit Hunter Dink for DSiWare. Um, well, let's, let's focus on the, on the lifestyle titles. What exactly are those? That seems a little different than um, most other you know, game developers, what, what are doing. What inspired it and, and yeah, what, what are they about? Okay, so uh, what happened was when we got the DSi, one of the things I found amazing was that you've got a lot of um, kids or young adults out there who have this device and maybe don't have a PDA or, or their own personal computer. Yeah. Um, and so they probably want to organize their life, be able to keep track of things. And I just thought, you know, would, would customers on DSiWare be interested in purchasing um, a little virtual notebook so they can kind of organize their life a little bit better or take their DSi out and, 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 and use it to keep track of things and then go back to playing a game? Uh, and we were just we were just blown away by the reception of it. Uh, I know in you know some quarters it's not the most sexy, exciting thing yeah. in the world, but we've 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 done really well. I mean, we've sold a um, couple hundred thousand units of that now. That's which awesome. Is, yeah, which for, particularly for a Nintendo platform is is a large volume of sales. So. Now, is this then? Are you selling it in the retail channel, or is there some kind of online? It's online, so it's DSiWare, so yeah. you can connect your Nintendo DSi to the internet and they've got a little online store. Yeah. So it's, it's just purely sold through that. And are you building a community around this or is it just people are kind of using it for their own selves or are they sharing it with other people in the community? Um, the first release of my notebook, they couldn't share um, their notes with each other. It was yeah. just purely, you know, I'm, I meet you and I need to take your phone number down or whatever. Yeah. I, can write, I can pop on my DSi and do that. The second release we, we did, um, we introduced the concept of more pages because we're limited um, on DSiWare in terms of price at how big the application can be. Um, so we went for a slightly higher price, put more pages in, and we allowed the user to be able to um, export their pages so they could print them out or, or send them to you or you know whatever they wanted really. Um, and that's proved quite popular. It was a feature that a lot of users. Asked so for. is is that your best-selling title or have yeah, you done it? Yeah, yeah, today. <laughs> yeah. So so um, so hang on a second, because um, you know you mentioned some. Of the, so let's talk about some of these other games that you've done. Yeah. Um, what types of games are they, and can you give the the title names? I know you mentioned them before, but the titles and what types of games they are. Sure. So. Um, when we first started the company, one thing that I learned very quickly was we need to make things that we as a company can achieve. And we're very small, there's only three of us. Yeah. Um, and we want to make sure that we learn as we go. So the first title we did was a title called Pop for WiiWare. And it's a simple um, puzzle kind of Tetris type game, um, which is a bit more reaction based than Tetris. So you, uh, at its simplest, you just point your Wii remote at the TV screen and you pop bubbles. That's it. Awesome. But the depth to it is you've got a timer that's counting down and big bubbles are worth a lot of time but not very many points and small bubbles are worth um, lots of points but, but less time. So you've got to balance what type of bubbles you pop and then there's different colours. So if you keep popping the same colour you can build up a chain um, but while you're building up that chain you're not getting any of the, the points or the extra time. It's sitting in a little um, pot and until you change colour or you, or you miss um, that will keep happening. So you have to change colour every so often and then suddenly you'll get more time and your points and so on and so forth. So there's there's depths and tactics to it. Yeah. And that was an experiment for us in how does a Wii remote work 
um, you know, how, how is WeWare going to work? Will we be able to make that a viable business model? Um, since then, we've obviously put it on a couple of different platforms, so you can buy it on the iPhone and, and use the, the touchscreen. Yeah. Uh, and then we bought it to DSiWare, and we added an adventure mode and some extra features. And then the My Life Collected applications are, 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 the, are the next step for us. So my notebook, as we described already, um, my postcards, we wanted to, basically, on the DSi, we wanted to get to the point where we could make Spirit Hunters, which is an augmented reality game. It makes use of the, the camera to create this kind of virtual environment where you can battle spirits. So to do that, it's going to be a really complex game. So one of the things I thought was, well, let's try and make a lot of little small things before yeah. where we can learn how the DSi works, we'll learn the technology. So my notebook, that's our experiment and how does the touchscreen work? How can we use the touchscreen? And then obviously commercialize it as, yeah. as an application. Um, my postcards allows the user to take a photograph um, on the top screen, write a note on the bottom screen, add stamps or draw pictures and, and change the theme of the postcard and then we merge the two together to make a, a JPEG that they can then upload to Facebook or they could print out and post uh, or they could email to their friends. And that was our experiment with the camera. So how does the camera work on the DSi? How can we use it? And obviously that's building towards Spirit Hunters. And then the third application we've just released recently is called My Diary. So that allows you to um, write a, a note for each day uh, so you can keep track of appointments. You can lock, it, lock individual notes if you maybe want to write something secret you don't want your mum to see or whatever. Um, and you can also set alarms as reminders. So when each time you start up the diary, any alarms that you've missed or that, that you, you can kind of get alerted to. Um, yeah, so that's all the ones that we've released at the moment. And then we've got Escape Vector on WiiWare, which we've just announced. That's our return to WiiWare. And it's kind of um, a little bit like a game called Quix or Pac-Man. So you, you move around on um, a series of lines. And you, when you describe a shape, like a square, that shape fills in. And um, that allows you to escape the level at a simple premise. And then as you progress through the game, there's a lot more cells that you've got to fill in. There's enemies patrolling them. There's little gates you can go through which will trigger fences or trigger enemies to spawn. So it starts to become quite a layered, complex way to try and um, escape from this computer, which is the sort of story and premise behind it. And then lastly, um, Spirit Hunters, which we've obviously been building up to, is this augmented reality social RPG we're doing where you can go anywhere in the world and you'll find different spirits hiding around you. you use the augmented reality to kind of hunt them down and battle them. So maybe in your shopping mall you might find you know, particular spirits that your friends can't find and then you can kind of capture them, trade them with them and allow them to kind of battle against them. Um, when is uh, Spirit Hunter going to be released? Um, we're hoping to release it later this year. So it's, it's been one of the most technically challenging games we worked on, not least because doing augmented reality on the DSi yeah. is very hard. Um, and it's you know there's a lot of ambition there in terms of the animation we want to put in and the particle effects. Um, so we focus a lot on polish and quality. So for us, it's making sure that the game is polished and high quality before we release it. But we're aiming for later this year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, will, it will be out when it's finished, I suppose, <laughs> yeah. is the simplest term, but we're, we're trying to get it in you know, the second half of this year so, at some point. So it seems like your projects are kind of um, like sustainable learning. So yeah. you're doing, as you're learning, you're actually getting paid to learn as you release yeah. these yeah. projects. Yeah. yeah, it's really important. You know, as Nick said, you know, the, the My Life Collective series isn't the most sexy thing for people to talk no, about. I think, it's, I think it just targets a totally different demographic, but that's, a, like, is it mainly for, for girls then, or is it guys and girls? Or well, boys I suppose it's for any, I mean, the, the thing I love about the Nintendo platforms, and if you listen to um, Mr. Iwata when he speaks, he talks about saying that Nintendo platforms, they're trying to reach out to anyone, and when yeah. they make a game, 
um, they don't say, oh, this is a game for boys, or this is a game for young girls, or, or older people. I mean, obviously, there's some slight exceptions to that. I mean, brain training was obviously more geared at a particular demographic. But they try and make something that anyone can use. And that's generally the philosophy that we've tried to, to fall into. Now, sure, I think that maybe girls are maybe going to like the My Life Collected series a little bit more. But we've definitely not tried to style it to one demographic over another, yeah. if you know what I mean. And we get, you know, we get an interest from um, lifestyle magazines that we wouldn't yeah. normally get interest from when we make um, other games. So it does, I think it just widens the, the potential audience that we have. Yeah. And you know, it, it, as, as Nick said, it, it funds um, you know, the bigger projects like Spirit Hunters. Yeah. Well, I mean, so at one point did you guys maybe say, hey, maybe we should just focus on the My Series and maybe not even do these other games? What are your thoughts? And then also, it seems like you went from DSi back to WiiWare and now potentially DSi again. What's the, so what's going to be the strategy? Are you open to just any kind of Nintendo platform? Or are you going to try to focus on mobile? I mean, where are these kids going? And yeah. where are these kids playing? Well, I think for, for us, what we try and do is, I look at, like I'm a gamer, and, I really, and I'm really into technology. And what I like or what I get excited about is when I buy a device, so when I buy a DSi or when I buy a Wii or a PSP or whatever it is, the reason I buy it is there's something about that hardware that excites me. So on the DSi, you know, potential of the camera and the, all the additional features and, and slightly higher processing and stuff that it adds, that gets me excited. And as a user, I want to buy software that takes advantage of those unique features. So for us, um, in, in terms of jumping between WiiWare and, and DSiWare, we really want to try and choose um, game or, games or software that suit the platform. So if we have an idea and it works well on the DSi, then we'd like to make it on the DSi. If we can make a game on Kinect, then we would make a game on you know, Kinect if we had a game idea that, that, that suited that. So really for us it's about making sure that we, we've got experiences and software that really suits the platform. I suppose you know, we've, we've gone um, with Nintendo platforms because that's where our, our expertise is developing. Yeah. But we're not um, we're not going to be exclusively Nintendo necessarily. Yeah. We'll, we'll, as Nick says, we'll go to different platforms if we think that the game will work on it. Yeah. yeah. And what are your thoughts? Whereas most indies are kind of moving away from console and um, proprietary, well, not proprietary, but um, you know, traditional gaming platforms and companies, they're moving towards iPhone and Android. You guys are kind of, it seems, um, going in the opposite direction, whereas you tried a little, um, you also did an iPhone game for your first game, um, or like an iPhone port for Pop, but now you're actually focusing on WiiWare and DSi. So what are your thoughts on that? What, um, do you feel like kids are going to be using these DSi's still? Or um, are, they gonna, are their parents going to just give them phones? You know, because they need, I, I've seen it where parents are actually giving their kids phones anyways just to keep in touch with them as a safety yeah. thing. And this is where the games can be played. Yeah, I, man, I think it's interesting. I think, I think the, the, we've been talking about this a lot recently, actually, and I think the market's quite diverse and supports a lot of different platforms. I think on the iPhone or Android market side of things, um, personally, I don't think that there's many people that are going to go out and buy a 12-year-old or an 11-year-old or an 8-year-old an iPhone because it's glass, it's very expensive, and kids drop things all the time. So I, I just don't think that's going to happen. Maybe an iPod Touch, but e even then, it still seems quite an expensive device. So I, th I think the teenage debt to 24 demographic, yeah, there's going to be a little bit of blurring of lines. But realistically for us, the, the types of experiences on the iPhone and the, and the Android, they're much more short-lived experiences, which are great fun, don't get me wrong. You know, if you're, you're on the, the tram or the ferry or whatever, then playing it for you know, a couple of minutes, that's great. But there's not so many ones that have got super amounts of depth to them. Um, whereas if you want a real deep 
game like Halo or you know, World of Warcraft or you have to go out and, and buy something that's going to give you that bigger experience like your Xbox or your Wii or your, or your DSi. So I think you know, if you're really into games and you really want to play satisfying deep experiences, I think games consoles, uh, for the foreseeable future anyway, are still going to be the ones providing that, that level of depth. I mean, particularly on the iPhone, because you don't have heaps of buttons and a D-pad, um, although there's amazing stuff you can do just with the touchscreen and the gyroscope, it doesn't suit every type of game. You know, trying to do um, a really complex RPG on, on the iPhone, I think, is going to be really, really difficult. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think for us, it's uh, uh, mainly we just find that what you can do on home consoles and the level of depth you can give to the players much more satisfying. Yeah. Um, can you talk about the nuances of the design space of the DS? Um, what? I guess, what have you learned? Um, how do you have to design these games? What are things that you keep in mind as you design for that platform? Yeah, uh, well, I think for, for all games, generally, my approach is I want to make sure that players can pick up the game and understand it relatively quickly and not have to sit through you know, a half an hour, 45 minute tutorial where we really hold your hand and explain everything in great depth. Because as a player, I find that really frustrating. If I turn a game on in the first, you know, I'm excited, I want to get in there and, and do whatever the cool things I can do in the game. And if you've got to sit there and really laboriously explain exactly how everything works, often I get, I'm bored or frustrated before I actually get into the meat of the game. And there's a lot of, like Limbo, for example, on, on Xbox Live Arcade this year, that really showed me how they don't tell you anything. There's there's no text. Even the story, there's no text to it. You kind of understand the story just by playing the game, seeing the reactions of the player on screen, and there's no tutorial. You just learn everything by playing and discovery. And and that really said to me, wow, you know, why do we need these really complex tutorials? So for for us on the DSI, coming back to kind of our philosophy is. We, we try and find an idea that we think is going to be really exciting, so with Spirit Hunters it's going out, finding spirits and battling them. And then it's how can we refine that down to an experience that the players can look at and get, but yet there's going to be depth that they can explore that keeps them coming back. So as they get to level 20, they're like, oh, there's this cool new ability. If I do this with this ability and this with this ability, it's going to do something even cooler. So you've got that, but at the beginning it's not like, whoa, how, how does all this work? And um, since you're focusing on augmented reality, what are the nuances of that space? I think one of the things is everyone's talking about how augmented reality could be the next big thing. But I think one of the challenges is that having people hold up their screen or camera or whatever else to kind of see what's going on, does that um, challenge what people are used to? Does that just make it difficult to even play an augmented reality game? How are you guys addressing this? Um, yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Yeah, a good question. I, I think... Um, for us, what's exciting is we try to play to our strengths, and as I said, we are, we're quite a small company, and we really wanted to create an RPG game, but creating an RPG game is really complex, creating a whole world and all the characters and all, and the, all the story that goes along with it. So I was thinking, how can, we, how can we do this? And then it struck me that using augmented reality allows, it introduces some new dynamic into, into, the, into the game, because you go to your shopping mall and you have a battle and maybe you have three or four battles in different areas of that shopping mall and I go to college and I do the same in, in various areas around college or whatever and then we meet up and not only is there a story in the game which we will have but you've now got stories that are unique to how you've played the game so you start to socialize together and, and it, I just think it's, that's really exciting whereas if I play Pokemon and you play Pokemon yeah. fundamentally we've explored the same world 
and we've explored the same story. So although we'll socialise about it, our experience is going to be relatively similar. Whereas if you know if you've gone underneath a bush and you found a spirit yeah. there and battled it, then the, the stories that you're going to be telling are going to be really quite different. And, it, and what so what excites me is sure the augmented reality is you interfacing with a camera, but it's the way that it brings something new from the virtual world into the real world. Yeah, we're yeah, yeah, really excited about it. I mean, it, it will be, it will change, um, you know, the way a, a person will, <coughs> will play a game um, for, when they're playing our game, Spirit Hunters. But um, you know, it'll just, it'll, it might look a bit weird to onlookers to see all these people holding up. Yeah, the, or the maybe, DSIs maybe it shouldn't be right. holding up. Maybe it should just be holding down. But it's just the location that they're in. So they, yeah, yeah. I mean, because for, yeah. for most kids holding up, it's yeah. they're so well, you used can to do that. And that's the great thing: the, the augmented reality will work regardless of what you're pointing at. So yeah. if you feel comfortable looking at the ground, okay, then yeah. then so you can do that. Or if you there. want to battle looking at the lying on your back, looking in the sky, then you know that yeah. that's going to work too. So yeah. yeah, people aren't. You don't have to um, be standing. You could sit down and, and, and play yeah. it like this, and hopefully we'll demonstrate it to you. In a little bit, but yeah, because yeah. the spirits will move around, so they won't just be absolutely static. But um, we're going to make sure they don't move around so much that you can't actually play the game. Yeah, yeah. What are some of the other challenges you're facing as you're developing this, um, and and what tools are you using to develop for DSi? Do you have to use Nintendo tools? Are you using Unity? Um, how are you expediting the whole process? Um, so with well, Nintendo doesn't restrict us to using any particular tool set. When we um, become licensed developers, they provide us with. An, an SDK, a software development kit. They also provide us with um, their own Nintendo middleware tools. So Unity is as classified as middleware, which allows you to, you know, export and draw graphics and so on and so forth. Um, so we could use Unity or we could use other things, but the, the tools Nintendo provide is what they use to make their own games. So my kind of thought is, if Nintendo can make the games that they do with the tools that they provide, yeah. maybe we should try and look at those because they make some pretty awesome games. Yeah. Um, so we, we try and take advantage of that as much as possible. Um, and the tools that they provide us with are, with are really, really great. So we generally use those. So they've got you know, 3D exporters and they've got little 2D packages so we can do all the interface elements. Um, in terms of the augmented reality, we've had to come up with that system completely. So Nintendo provide us with a way to access the camera, and then it's up to us to decide what we do with the data that the camera is giving back to us. Um, so we've had to, and th that's taken the longest time, we've had to write an engine which um, translate, basically looks at every single frame and it works yeah. out how far you've moved. Um, okay. So that as you, because there's no gyroscope or anything in the, yeah. in the DSi, so we've had to take that and as you move the camera, it's going, you've moved this far left, so we can move the spirit um, this far right or, or whatever. Okay. So yeah, yeah, and that's been the most technically challenging <laughs> part of the game. And have you done any user testing or anything like that? What's been the response for Spirit Hunters? So we've, we've not done heaps yet. The plan is to do more. We're still in kind of pre-alpha stages, so we're still trying to get everything in place and make sure it all works 100%. Um, but we have shown it to quite a few journalists, we've shown it to quite a few friends. We've uh, shown it to friends in the pub, so people have yeah. been uh, battling spirits in the pub, and uh, quite often you get a big crowd of people saying, what the hell's going on here? And so there's a big crowd of people around this guy, uh, or woman, that we've, we've, we've handed their DSI to, um, and they're, they're busy, busily kind of you know, battling spirits, and it yeah. just get, gathers a, a, big, a big load of people. It's yeah. great. So the reception has been really good. I think it inspires a lot of people's imagination. So like a lot of people are like, wow, this is great. I could go here and, and maybe there'd be spirits hiding there. And like Stephen, our engineer, took it home one weekend and showed some of his friends. They were all hunting around his house and they kept coming back to him, even though the game was just set to like show all the spirits and they would just randomly spawn. We, we hadn't, we turned off all of the way um, 
that they would only spawn in particular places just to make it easier to test. So they didn't realize this, we hadn't told them that, and they were going, I found this bear on this corner, and I found this one over here. And so it just, it really activates people's imagination. It's, it's really exciting. Especially now since we've got a lot of the effects. Um, yeah. And we, we, we did a, we've done a couple of developer diaries, and the first one kind of showed the augmented reality working. Um, and I think now people are getting really excited since they can see the, the actual effects of the attacks they can do and the different abilities that they have. It's, yeah. it's really cool. Yeah. Awesome. And um, what suggestions then would you have for other smaller game developers that want to develop for a platform like DSi or Nintendo um, uh, Yeah, versus mobile? Okay, so I think the reason a lot of indie de developers probably do go for mobile um, or Mac or PC is because um, it's an open platform, so it's yeah. relatively easy to, to develop for. You just need to pay Apple $100 and you can start doing it. The harder thing with Nintendo platforms, and the same with Microsoft and Sony, is that you need to have approval for, from them. You need to have an office, which obviously puts an awful lot of independent developers off because that's quite a big expense. Um, and you, you need an actual physical office. Yeah, you can't yeah, work yeah. out of your home or something. No, unfortunately wow. not. Because because you when, when we work with um, Nintendo hardware or Sony hardware or whatever, um, they, we have to purchase that from them and yeah. so it's not just like buying a standard DS it's a proper development bit of hardware and because they're obviously understandably very protective of where it is because they don't want people stealing it or they don't yeah. want people seeing it who shouldn't be seeing it they want to make sure you're in a proper office so that it's kind of fairly secure facilities um, so yeah that puts a lot of people off because that's quite a big expense um, and then the other factor is most of the Microsoft, Sony and, and Nintendo they require um, you to have some proven track record as well. So I've, wow. I've, I've been fortunate, I've been, been in the games industry um, 13 years now, I've worked for Electronic Arts as a lead designer, so I've, I've you know, built up a, um, some contacts with Microsoft and Nintendo and Sony, so it's allowed, it made it easier for me to transition from working EA to setting up my own studio. But it is, it's hard, and, and I think that's why a lot of people go down the more Mobile and, you know, and what inspired you guys to even do console? Why not do web? You know, a lot of the kids are on the web. You know, you think about Club Penguin, you think about some of these other things. Why, why go through all, having an office and you know paying for all these things, all that upfront startup fee, instead of just releasing Flash? Because I think um, I think it's down to discovery a lot of the time. Like, there's there's definitely a captive audience who've gone out and purchased a DSi or purchased a Nintendo Wii and they want games. So you've kind of got an audience that's sitting there that's active and they're actively going out and going, I want more games, I want more games. Whereas with, with Flash and with the, the iPhone, you, people are people have bought their PC to do more than just play video games. You know, some people have bought it so they can write emails or they can sort their photos out or do their music. And then being able to browse the internet is um, or play Flash games is one of the secondary concerns to them. So for us, I'm trying to reach people and find out where, you know, which Flash site they want to go to and all these things. For me, that's not, you know, I'm not so interested in that. Plus also, the, for me, the range of experiences you can do with Flash, I feel are, are well, not limited, because obviously people are doing great things, but in terms of gameplay, I love the fact that, you know, we've got, say, a motion control device, or we've got the camera and the DSi, so you can start to do really interesting things. Um, and the same when it comes to the iPhone um, and Android is, is you know, you've got users who've bought it to, as a phone yeah. um, and to do email and then maybe occasionally the apps or the games might be their secondary interest, so, yeah. I mean, for us, um, you know, developing for Nintendo is, is less of a, a lottery than, say, developing for uh, mobile phones because, yeah. you know, you can, you can make a million seller, but most people don't. 
Um, and actually, the, the amounts you can sell on, on these mobile platforms can be very, very low, and they don't make very much income at all. Whereas, as Nick said, you know, we've got a captive audience, and if you make a good game on these platforms, you'll sell. Yeah, yeah. And particularly, Nintendo fans are always, re you know, they're, they're really, really... Um, into their platform and their machine. I mean, I'm like PlayStation owners, you know, are PlayStation owners. Yeah. Um, and so what we find is that if you start to address what they want and they start to buy into you as a company and trust you, which takes a while because your first game they're like, who are these guys? What are they doing? But because we've built up a little bit of a following, we start to crack into that loyalty and they start to really believe in you and, and trust you and, and yeah. buy into what you're doing. And obviously we have to respect that honesty and that, that trust, so we can't take advantage of it. But it's, you know, you, they'll start to defend you, so you go onto forums and where at the beginning, when we first announced a game, people were like, who are these guys, don't really like that. Once people have started playing it, yeah. if they see someone slagging us off, a lot of people will come to our defense and we're going, wow, this is really nice. Awesome. So yeah, well, you've got, as Bruce says, you've got this captive audience who are actively looking for software and games and you know we want to feed into that and, and give them satisfying experiences. Right. And um, where can listeners then find out more information about your games, potentially have their kids play them, stuff like that? Sure, so if they go to no.com, which is www.nnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnnn